0: Keith Thurman (laughs) playing us in on the flute. This is our third take. This is our third take. But, you know what? We're doing this for you. It's late, but we can't... Three times. Yep, three times. We cannot let you go without having this podcast previewing Senator Manny Pacquiao versus Keith Thurman. I got Rollins here with me. I had to bring in the big gun for this one. I mean... Look, this is a big fight. Um, How would you rate your excitement level for this fight? Like, you know, we've obviously gotten some pretty solid fights, and we got a a couple of – well, we got one pretty good one next week in Maurice Hooker and Jose Ramirez unifying their um, 140-pound titles. But in terms of all the fights this year announced and that have happened already, like, where do you rank this fight?
1: Um, Number one? Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm more excited for – I'm more excited for this fight than any fight that's happened thus far and any fight that's already on the horizon. Why? I think, just think it's fascinating, first of all. I mean, And I think it'll provide a lot of clarity within the welterweight division that currently doesn't exist. But, I mean, just the fact that we're getting Thurman back to in the mix at the at the highest level where essentially he's taken a two-year height. I mean, is Manny
0: Pacquiao the highest level?
1: If he beats Manny Pacquiao, yeah, I think that I think that that is a huge statement for Thurman. And I know people will make excuses for what happened, or maybe it's just legitimate reasons. I mean, Pacquiao's old, he's small, whatever. But I mean, if Keith Thurman beats Manny Pacquiao, I think in like just the overall ethos or whatever the environment of of the division that puts Thurman right back in the mix. Like essentially, he it's a rocket booster to to. Kind of cover for what he's lost over the last two years, while Spence has risen, and it really like gives a big kick in the ass to that fight potentially happening uh, either next year or whenever it will. Were
0: you Thurman. impressed right. with Manny Pacquiao's win over Adrian Broner?
1: Um. Well, yeah. I mean, everything's relative. I I think I Broner's strategy was just broner to a t and i (laughs) and i I think yeah i could you could take a lot of away from uh just based on broner and his deficiencies but i mean yeah i think pacquiao looked about as good as you could ask him to look he beat him up he basically won every round uh he did turn it up a few times and really made broner i mean i mean he wobbled him going full retreat yeah And so, I mean, I I don't think that you can come out of the Pacquiao-Broner fight, no no matter what you want to say about Broner. I don't think you could take anything away from Pacquiao at that point.
0: Do you think Pacquiao would have won if it was in a bowling alley or a shopping mall?
1: Oh, that's a different question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about Manny Pacquiao and Keith Thurman. Let's get into this. Um, When you told me that you were excited for this fight, and I I thought you were just joking around, you know, mocking uh, certain people on Twitter. But you didn't have four exclamation points, so I wasn't convinced. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about this fight in terms of the matchup because it is very, very interesting. I'm I'm in agreement with you. I'm really excited for this fight. I'm devastated that I won't be there, um, but I will be ordering it as I'm sure you will be. And I, let me let me ask you this, okay? So there's like this consensus out there, or at least. I think there is. I don't know. You may be posting on corners of the internet that I'm not on. But I think it's pretty split, and it's close to a 50-50 fight in terms of what fans think, what writers think, etc. I don't think that way. I think Keith Thurman should be the clear favorite. And we're going to get into maybe reasons why that's not the case and why Manny Pacquiao has more than a good shot at winning this fight. Um, But if you look at this fight... um, in, in your experience do you think manny pacquiao is an underdog
1: um i mean i see okay you're asking me two questions i see it as a fight that in the public consciousness is a 50 50 fight there are reasons that you can take on either side that are basically even each other out mm-hmm. um and so from think? that perspective no i don't really see him as an underdog i see it as a straight up pick'em fight do you really me- you, that's what you actually believe do I believe that there's a 50% chance of each guy winning? No.
0: Okay. So how, I, let's say you're splitting the percents between the two. Who gets what?
1: Um, I would say like 67% to Thurman. I like like, I like two the thirds, precision. Two-thirds.
0: I like the precision. So two-thirds chance that Keith Thurman wins. I don't know what that is in a betting line. Um, I might even go further than you. But Manny Pacquiao. I mean, it, would make,
1: it would make Pacquiao like a two-to-one underdog.
0: Okay, so do you think that Manny Pacquiao is a bigger underdog, personally, do you think Manny Pacquiao is a bigger underdog heading into this fight with Keith Thurman than he was heading into the fight with Floyd?
1: No, I think he was a bigger underdog against Floyd. And and that's because I, I don't think Mayweather had ever shown any signs that anybody was going to beat him. much. I mean, I was personally a person that never thought Pacquiao was going to beat him, but especially, I mean, once... The saga got going, and, I mean, we saw what happened with Pacquiao's career uh, getting stopped by Marquez, and then kind of... I mean, he dominated in fights against the lower-level of guys, the Riosas and the Algeris, but he didn't look like the same guy. He looked like the boxer Manny Pacquiao, not the, the knockout sensation Tasmanian devil Pacquiao. And at that point, it was very clear that he had no chance of beating Mayweather. And so, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe people... Maybe I'm misremembering it, and there were there were people within the actual boxing world that thought Pacquiao could win.
0: Uh, but like, from like my, a from, certain from, British writer who thinks he knows about the technique of boxing.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah. If made famous by, by mentions on HBO. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but yeah. So I, I guess I, I always. Uh, when I think about Mayweather-Pacquiao, I thought of it more as people who didn't like Mayweather, who knew that that was like total casuals, who knew that that was the event, and Pacquiao was supposed to be the guy that beat him, kind of hyped that into being what it was. Much, much less so than like much more so than people within actual with actual boxing knowledge thinking that Pacquiao had a chance in that fight.
0: So I think like it's gonna come off like both of us are haters of Pacquiao on this on this episode because we're both gonna pick Thurman, so we'll just spoil that right now. So I do want to provide some context for for Manny Pacquiao and stuff, and I want to like put him over we're as not, much I'm, as we I'm can. Saying,
1: I'm saying I'm saying that he's that this is a much closer fight than <laughs> Mayweather Pacquiao. I don't I don't know I don't think that's hating.
0: Um, think that's yeah, but you know you know how people get. But I, I want to say, fair. just kind of like pivot in, in another direction. I agree with, with what you've said. And I, I want to say that, you know, listening to you talk right now and the way you talked about Floyd and blah, blah, blah. And look, Keith Thurman's not Floyd Mayweather. Not at all, okay? But it is amazing to me that we have Manny Pacquiao who entered. He wasn't a huge underdog to Floyd. I mean, he wasn't Conor McGregor underdog. He was a, a, just a good underdog who had um, maybe some value as you know, I think heading into the fight, he was like minus two twenty-five, two fifty, which is or plus two twenty-five, two fifty, which is not bad. And um, and Manny Pacquiao lost that fight. Well, we are four years removed from that. Manny Pacquiao is still competing at the highest level at welterweight, and he's fighting a world champion, a young world champion who is in their prime, albeit coming off of injury. And Manny Pacquiao is a pick 'em. At forty years old, with a guy who has suffered losses, a guy who's got a part-time job as a senator in the Philippines, whatever that entails, who knows what that's all about, and he's a fifty-fifty. He's in a fifty-fifty fight. I think that's pretty I mean, amazing. He's
1: the, he's, the betting, he's the betting favorite against the undefeated uh, undefeated champion that's in his prime.
0: Hold on a second. Like I, when the line opened, Pacquiao was the the underdog, so it's moved the other direction.
1: Yeah, so it started off with um Thurman being like minus 150 or whatever like a very small uh, favorite. And yeah, as of as of the uh press conference today, um it was it's Pacquiao basically at the same. It's flipped like 180 degrees to where Pacquiao is like a minus whatever minus 180 or minus 150 whatever it is.
0: Who you think Floyd's going to put half a mil on? <laughs>
1: Oh, that's a tough that's a tough question because he loves to big up people that he beat <laughs> to I, make himself look better. <laughs>
0: I bet Floyd would go over nine and a half.
1: The over? Yeah, okay, I could see it.
0: Knowing Floyd. Take, do like, yeah, I think that's like the right bet here. Um But I do agree that he was a bigger underdog heading into into the Floyd fight, but I think it's it's pretty crazy. And again, this is on a personal level because we both see Manny Pacquiao ...as the underdog here. However, it's a pickem, and now he is the favorite, which is insane. But again, betting lines don't necessarily reflect who the bookmakers think is going to win, but rather, it's uh, a way to encourage more bets and reduce risk at the same time. So, um, I think the big reason why this could be a 50-50 fight is because two guys, you have both guys who are coming in with big red flags hanging over their heads... With Manny Pacquiao, there's the fact that he's 40 years old. He's suffered numerous losses in his career, including you know, Floyd Mayweather, Jeff Horn. And the Jeff Horn one is a big thing because that was Manny Pacquiao fighting a, a, a full-size welterweight. And Jeff Horn, as a full-size welterweight, basically bullied Manny Pacquiao. He did not outskill Manny Pacquiao. He basically just gritted his way to a victory that wasn't pretty. And then you have Keith Thurman who's coming off of a long layoff. He suffered injuries. He suffered setbacks. He came back. He had a pretty good performance against Jose Cito Lopez, except for the fact that he could have been stopped and had two pretty bad rounds. Um, that doesn't bode well heading into this fight. So for you, which one is the bigger red flag?
1: I think the bigger red flag, I mean, it has to be Thurman. And the way I think about it is... Um, if I know if I know what I'm getting then I'm able to make an educated uh, educated uh, opinion or have an educated opinion on it and I feel like I know what Pacquiao is going to come into the ring looking like like even though he's got age not on his side and sometimes guys do fall off from one fight to the next and that's kind of the only way that you end up seeing it is one time they show up and they're just not the same but I feel like with the the injuries Thurman's had and the layoff, I mean, we've seen him fight once in the last like three years and it was the closest we've ever seen him to getting stopped. Um, I think that there's a, there's a decent chance that Thurman shows up and he's just not the guy we're expecting to see. And for, to me, that, that is the definition of a red flag.
0: Do you think it's fair to judge Thurman off of that fight though? Because it was his first fight back after such a long layoff and coming off of those injuries?
1: I mean, me personally, no. I don't, I I think people get way too caught up in judging uh, particularly one fight. I mean, whether it's their last fight, whether it's someone's last fight or just a fight that they've had recently. Um, I don't think that that's fair, but a lot of people are doing it. And a lot of, it's a lot of people that had a certain opinion about Thurman while he had his long layoff mm, they what formed that opinions was. about him well well but but you have to recognize that that's i mean that's a valid pers- perspective that a lot of people share um and so people who th- think that thurman either fell out of love with boxing or got distracted by other things or just didn't have his heart in it anymore and then to come back and put in 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 some people's eyes, a half-hearted performance against against Lopez that he almost got stopped in. There's a very uh, there's a very coherent perspective that could say that you can judge him off that fight. I I don't personally subscribe to it, but I do acknowledge that it's there.
0: I mean the 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 reason why I wouldn't judge a fighter off of their first fight back is because Andre Ward didn't look good when he came back from his layoff. He definitely looked rusty. He just didn't look like didn't have that aura of invincibility that he had prior to uh, the long layoff. And then by the time he stopped Kovalev, which was his last fight, you could say that this m- maybe isn't the same Andre Ward that left us, you know, several years ago. However, this guy will not lose at 175, and you can definitely recover from being injured. We've seen fighters do it before um Andre Ward having the torn labrum and the rotator cuff issues and I I don't necessarily think it's it's fair even though I I'll I'll admit I was judging Thurman in that fight like looking at his legs looking at his movement I'm like wow Thurman is not does not look like the Thurman um that we all know the guy who beat Sean Porter and, and Danny Garcia I mean the movement just wasn't there in that fight which is odd because you know he didn't have an injury on his legs But that's what happens when you're not fighting like in a real environment, you know, it's as much as you try to have hard sparring and stuff that doesn't duplicate the actual environment of a live fight. But I'll take the other side and say that Manny Pacquiao is the bigger red flag here. And I think I think that we have. I I, I don't know what the right analogy to make uh, here is, I mean. Manny Pacquiao has been declining for years now, and the decline has been gradual, and I think it's been gradual to the point um, that when you couple it with the matchmaking, we've been shielded from seeing it for what it really was, and he's had a couple of hiccups, like the Jeff Horn fight, but the matchmaking reverted back to what we, ex- what Manny Pacquiao is capable of, of doing with, and Adrian Broner was the perfect opponent for him. And, and Jesse Vargas was the perfect opponent for him. And I think Manny Pacquiao didn't look good in the Jesse Vargas fight, by the way. It was a much closer fight than anyone would have you believe. But Manny Pacquiao has been declining steadily. And then the Matisse fight was just a complete farce, by the way. Um, Manny Pacquiao has been declining. And I don't think anybody really knows where Manny Pacquiao is at because you look at Adrian Broner. And it's like, well, yeah, if you just throw punches, you're going to have a very close fight with Broner, if not beat him. I mean, Adrian Granados had a a case for beating Adrian Broner. And so Manny Pacquiao at 40 years old, he has other jobs. uh, He's already proven that welterweight's like legitimately sized welterweights give him a lot of trouble. I mean, his last couple of fights, he fought Lucas Matisse and and Adrian Broner, who's our natural 140-pound fighters. Same goes for Jesse Vargas, natural 140-pound fighter. The one time that uh, Timothy Bradley, natural 140-pound fighter. Uh, Chris Algieri, natural 140-pound fighter. Floyd Mayweather, natural fighter at any weight class and he's still going to beat you. But you look at all these guys, Brandon Rios, natural 135-pound fighter. And granted, Manny Pacquiao, of course, started from 100 and whatever pounds and um, moved his way up. But what Manny Pacquiao proved and why he's still fighting and he's still able to be in this position in a pay-per-view fight against Keith Thurman is that he's better than these guys. He like the, the, He's transcended his size. But at this point... When he's fought at this point in his career though, it doesn't look like that's the case. When he fights a natural guy at you know who's bigger than him, he struggles. And and I'm talking about Jeff Horn. And I think the same's gonna go for Keith Thurman. And even the the, the version of Keith Thurman where injuries have an effect and layoff has an effect on him, I still think that it is a huge red flag that Manny Pacquiao is forty years old and that he's just not that good when he's matched up against a guy who's bigger than him.
1: Well, my response to that would be if you're not gonna judge Thurman off of one fight, why would you judge Pacquiao off of one fight?
0: Oh I can't judge Do him off of two?
1: Off of off of the horn fight. That's the only time he's fought someone that was that was a legitimately sized welterweight.
0: Uh, I'm also judging him off of the Jesse Vargas fight. I think Manny Pacquiao looked terrible in the Jesse Vargas fight. And Jesse Vargas I mean, naturally bigger guy than him.
1: I mean okay, well Jesse Vargas fought to a drag and Sadrian Broner and Manny Pacquiao just beat Adrian Broner 12-0.
0: That wasn't the same Jesse Vargas fighting Adrian Broner. I had never seen a- J- Jesse Vargas get into a fight of the year candidate. And he certainly okay, didn't well, do that with Manny Pacquiao. How about,
1: how about, how about uh, he, beat, he beat Broner 12-0 and Mikey beat him, what, like 9-3,
0: 8-4? Yeah, but Mikey, Mikey's like 5'4". Yeah. So he's uh, the same natural size as Pacquiao. I don't know. We're, we're, I don't I. I don't like where this is going. I think Manny... Styles make fights. Mikey wanted to counterpunch the counterpuncher. That was an ugly fight with Adrian Broner. Manny Pacquiao just took the fight to Broner, and we all know how to beat Broner. Just throw punches. He's not going to do anything.
1: Well, okay. My, My point is, like, I agree with you. Styles make fights, and, like... I actually, I mean, intellectually, I agree with your general premise, but just the, from the logic, logical point of view, I don't think Thurman is really going to resemble Jeff Horn in the ring. I don't think he's going to resemble Jesse Vargas in the ring. I think it's going to be uh, two two completely different styles um, from anyone that, that Manny has really fought. That's what kind of is intriguing about it.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, if there was one hole in the argument that I made, it's that, well, even if... Even if Jeff Horn, like, is the answer, like, that is the game plan to beat Manny Pacquiao 100 times out of 100, it will work. I don't think 100 times out of 100, Keith Thurman would ever fight that way. I think Thurman, just from his personality, from his, from the years that we've seen him fight in the ring, he will not do what Jeff Horn did. That's not the style um, that he's going to employ. He's going to try to outbox Manny, and I think that's where the entry comes in because can Keith Thurman outbox Manny Pacquiao? I mean this this gets into the next question that I have which is who is Manny Pacquiao going to still have the speed advantage against Thurman?
1: I think that he still he still will probably have a hand speed advantage otherwise they'll be even. I don't think that Thurman is going to have the faster hands. Although I will say that I don't think the difference in hand speed will be pronounced. Um, like it has been at certain points in Pacquiao's career versus certain opponents. Um, yeah, Thurman has if underrated speed. Yeah, if if there's one area in which I I think, I, one area that I think some of the people that have um, taken Pacquiao or have been under the impression that Pacquiao is going to win kind of overlook is I I think Thurman is going to have vastly superior foot speed. I think that the number one area that Pacquiao has slowed down is his in his footwork and his like lateral movement, and so I th- I think if Thurman needs to and chooses to, he can win rounds on his back foot using purely foot speed. And picking his picking his shots in between. I, I don't I don't necessarily see Pacquiao being able to just straight up walk him down unless he's already chopped down the tree a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's what one of the things that I've I've been thinking about is will Thurman's foot speed be there because it didn't look like it was quite there against Jose Cito Lopez. And again, that was just one training camp after a long layoff. He's been in the gym pretty consistently since then. He's had a fight under his belt. Maybe we see that come back. But Thurman, I think, gets... And I think this has happened since he basically came up on HBO. But I think Thurman's been misclassified many times before as something that he's not. And it doesn't help that he talks about one time and all this stuff. But, like, Thurman's not a knockout puncher. He's a uh, risk-averse counterpuncher who is okay with a wild exchange here and there. And he will take risks to get, you know, to land big shots. But... Um, I think he's smart and knows when he can do that. And so, will he have the foot speed uh, to negate Manny Pacquiao's hand speed? And I I think the answer is yes. I think that if he moves on Pacquiao, we've seen what happens when people move on Pacquiao. He gets frustrated, and then he starts taking stupid risks. And if he does that with Thurman, I think there's a good chance that Thurman could hurt him if Pacquiao starts taking risks and lunging in. Um, And Pacquiao's foot speed has definitely fallen off, but a guy who's been a little clumsy with his feet at times because of the way he attacks in in this just an unorthodox way. I think that could really mess him up against Thurman if Thurman is smooth in the ring and is able to to lull him into traps. Do you think this is yeah, going to be an I entertaining mean, fight? I, I
1: definitely think it'll be entertaining. I mean, mostly, I, I differ with your opinion on how uh, Thurman will approach it just a little bit. I do think that in the early rounds, there will be a lot of standing and exchanging in the center of the ring, um, just because really? I think, yeah, I I do think uh, I do think Thurman is going to come out with a point to prove. I think he's got to get his respect um, first of all, and I do think that Thurman, not necessarily that that he's going to take the horn game plan, but I don't think Thurman wants to be on his back foot for twelve rounds, and that's both. Strategically in the ring, I don't think he thinks that's the best idea. And I doubt that that he's really interested in winning a total stink out decision against Pacquiao and then somehow claiming that he's the biggest, baddest dude in the in the division or whatever. I think he understands that like from a visual perspective, he needs to at the very least go for it on some level of winning the fight in the center of the ring. Do you- I, I definitely could I definitely could see a, a version of this fight where he hits him with some, I mean, basically like a replay of the Garcia fight. He hits him with some bombs, and, and they have some wild exchanges. People didn't like that fight.
0: And,
1: and over the second half of the fight, then Thurman decides that he just wants to win.
0: I'm I'm wondering this. Does Keith Thurman sitting there right now, walking to the ring, staring at Manny Pacquiao, does he think to himself, is there any thought in the back of his mind that he has to have a more impressive performance than Errol Spence did against Mikey Garcia? And look, in terms of like us who aren't going to judge it based off of the entertainment value, but rather for the skill that was put on display, Keith Thurman, or sorry, Keith Thurman, Errol Spence put on a masterclass against Mikey. However, that wasn't necessarily appreciated among a lot of people because maybe there was an expectation that Spence would stop him or there wasn't an appreciation for the fact that what Spence was doing was pretty phenomenal given the skill level that Mikey Garcia brought into the ring. And so I'm wondering, like, if Keith Thurman is thinking to himself, like, I need to do something more exciting than what we saw with Errol Spence. Because if he beats Manny Pacquiao and does it in an exciting fashion, I think that there's a legitimate chance that Keith Thurman can surpass Errol Spence in terms of stardom.
1: I think that it'll go a long way. Uh, I don't think necessarily just in one fight that 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 would be the case, Uh, but... I think that he could close the gap significantly. I, I think that that's probably the most important thing about this fight um, from Thurman's perspective is it's a chance to really get back a lot of what he's lost over the last two years when he he went from being significantly in front of Spence in the general public to now being pretty significantly behind him. I think that there's a lot of probably um, more casual fans that – might really i mean if he if he has a really dominant performance or if he has a spectacular uh, action-packed fight that he wins decisively i think that there are a lot of more casual people who could really buy into thurman i think probably most of the more hardcore boxing fans are going to make whatever excuse they want to make for whatever the the outcome is um in order to really stick with spence but purely from like a, a outside point of view um I don't. I don't think that he could. He could overtake Spence. I really don't. Just off of one fight, but I think he could go a long way in in getting there.
0: Um. I don't know that I agree with that. I think. I. I definitely think Manny Pacquiao is far more popular than Spence and Mikey were. And while Spence and Mikey, I think, got a got some attention from, uh, fans that maybe don't ordinarily order pay per views, but maybe that's not the case given. You know, Canelo's pulling in a million pay-per-views when he fought Golovkin and Spence Garcia pulled in 400,000 or whatever it was, um, th- you know, that changes things a little bit. But like, I definitely think that if Thurman has a, a, a really dominant performance, and I say dominant for a reason, because you pointed out if he has an action pack, like kind of like a spectacular performance where it's f- like, you know, entertaining, fun, whatever, but Thurman clearly wins. I think that's a no-win no situation for Thurman if he has like a fight of the year candidate. I think that it's going to be extremely hard to for Thurman it, unless he has like a clear, decisive decision win where he's outboxing Pacquiao. If there's any sort of like back and forth, I think it's going to be really hard for him to convince casuals that he won the fight because... He doesn't have the fanfare that Manny Pacquiao does, and and I think that's just a thing with casuals. Obviously, you or I, or probably you at home listening to this podcast in your car, wherever you are, that's not how you're gonna feel. But like, you know, you're probably a hardcore fan, and that doesn't. The hardcore fan is not the one that creates the consensus opinions in the sport, in the boxing community. That comes from the casuals who outnumber us.
1: I mean, I will throw in the caveat that. Like this isn't an HBO pay per view. This is a Fox pay per view, <laughs> and so I mean, if Thurman is genuinely winning and he's not, bo- the fight isn't boring. I mean, because I think that's part of it. People just want to bitch about what they want to bitch about when it's someone like Floyd is perceived to be in a boring fight. But if Thurman is winning and it's and it's back and forth, I think that the narrative. I mean, I think people I always see what you're underestimate going with this, but how important you're not saying how it. important the narrative. Well, I, I, but I think it's true. I think, I think. The narrative that you get from the commentary and from the go. unofficial scorer is way more important as far as like what the outcome, uh, the consensus outcome of casuals is, than people really realize. And they don't. Not to say that they're going to be stacked against Pacquiao because I think those guys freaking love Pacquiao. Everyone involved with Fox, but there's nobody in Box that doesn't. Thurman love is, if Thurman is winning, I don't think they'll have any problem saying Thurman is winning, and and therefore. Stemming some of what happens, like you said, when the bigger star uh, with the bigger fan base might be losing, but not decisive enough to really change the casual opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to make this into a bashing of HBO's commentary because RIP. To oh, them. I don't mind. We can, we can however, do however, I think if you don't agree with the fact that HBO's commentary basically was Michael Cole and JBL at the end. Um, then you're completely blind and ignorant because HBO's commentary really at the end was really just marketing, was really just a, a hard sell on the product and on the storylines that they wanted you to believe. And It was
1: Jaime Munguia as the next Oscar de la Hoya.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think whether that's because they became marks for themselves, whether they it's because they needed to um, really try to push some, a product that wasn't up to par with the product that they had pushed in the past, or maybe social media made people present to something that basically was white noise in the past. I don't know. What, or what, the
1: loss of Merchant. I, mean, I think that's a reasonable shout, too. Or, yeah. Merchant or, was, was just such a sour shit. He, would, he wouldn't be shilling, whereas I think Max is a little bit more uh, pliable to kind of shill the company Max line. would
0: never take a hard stance. He would, he, you know, we there's plenty of fights where... Max would say, "I can see it going the other way." And then he'd leave it at that. and he he basically backed off. And that basically was just them saying, we're not interested in both sides. We're interested in the story. And for whatever reason they did that. And with the PBC broadcast or well, specifically with Fox's uh, broadcast so far, you have three guys that literally don't seem to even have any connection to PBC. They're not trying to put over guys there, you know, you got Kenny Albert, who I legitimately don't think he follows boxing at all. And he gives like a very casual reaction to things and kind of sets up the business stuff, which is like, okay, good. This is probably what a play-by-play guy should do. And then you have Goosen and, and Lennox Lewis sitting there, like actually talking like they're just two dudes watching the fight at a bar. And, you know, Goosen could be a little biased towards guys he used to train. But other than that, I think they've done a good job, at least, of not falling into narrative-based commentary. And I think you bring up a good point. The reason why Thurman may not have that big of a problem uh, walking out of there with a decision that people aren't upset with is because the commentators may do a good job actually pointing out why he is winning the fight to prepare you for the decision should he win. And it goes vice versa as well, you know. If Manny Pacquiao is schooling him, you know they'll—I'm sure they'll put Manny Pacquiao over, so it's clear, you know, why Manny Pacquiao is winning the fight.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think Fox—they can be wrong. I—I definitely, I definitely don't think that they're like right all the time. And I know they can piss people off sometimes, just because I don't know. It doesn't seem as um, like tuxedoed up as people are used to with. HBO and with some of the Showtime commentary, but I don't think that they're pushing an agenda. I, I think that's the difference for me.
0: For me, and,
1: and they seem to just genuinely be be having, be having fun. It's like re- the reminder that boxing's supposed to be fun. I, I I know more people have bigger problems with the Fox teams than some of us at Sunday Puncher do, so I'll acknowledge that, but I, I think I, I think uh there's a decent chance that the commentary will give a fair shake to whoever is is dominating the fight.
0: You know, I think too many people out there watch sports, boxing specifically, but lots of sports. I think we you can see this in, with wrestling fans where they look for what they don't like more than they look for what they like. And they just focus on that. And like there's only one commentator for me that I just do not like right now. And that's Joe Tessitore. I think he's insufferable. I love Joe Tessitore. You know, he's good in football. And I liked him when he was on Friday Night Fights. But Joe Tessitore is absolutely pathetic on ESPN's commentary. And whether they need to switch him, whether they need to um, tell him not to be so excited and not try to make everything like it's, you know, a, a rocky scene. I don't know. But he's terrible. But I can deal with everyone else. Um, I don't even mute the days in commentary. It's like, whatever to me, it's like, sometimes it's interesting. You know, I like, like Sergio Mora legitimately, I think does not like Chris Mannix. I like that. And the Fox guys, they make me laugh because those guys I'm like, sometimes I'm like, do they know they're on commentary right now? Um, they really just keep it real. And I actually think Joe Goosen's the kind of guy that if they told him how to say what they want him to say, he probably just wouldn't do it. But that's just my opinion of him. Uh, do you think that there's any way the result of this fight changes the perception of how either guy would fare against Errol Spence? Um, yeah, I don't think that there's
1: really any way that uh, this is actually, I mean, I don't know if this is a common opinion or not. But I don't think there's really any way that Pacquiao could win and people think that he would have a chance against Spence. Because, I mean, as much credit as they'll give Pacquiao, I think just the fact that Thurman is coming off of what he's coming off of. And Pacquiao is so much smaller than Spence. I think. I mean, maybe it'll like rejuvenate Pacquiao's fan base into thinking that that's a great fight. And I mean, it probably is would be a terrific fight. But I don't really think there's any way that Manny could win and change most boxing like hardcore fans' perspective on how a fight with Spence would go. Um. But I do think if Thurman goes out and just and just. Takes out Pacquiao, um, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a knockout. Although I think a knockout would really help. Um, I do think there's an arc for people to just to change their opinion on. The, I think there's a consensus opinion, or at least a large uh, group of uh, groupthink opinion about Thurman that has just gotten really negative over the last couple of years. And I think a spectacular performance could put Spence Spence versus Thurman back into like the big fight category that I think it really always should have been and that it certainly would have been two years ago. Um, I think it's not necessarily likely, but I think that's certainly possible.
0: Um, I, I do think that the perception among casuals would change, but not by much. And I, I think, here's the thing that is important to remember. Um, Errol Spence has been In the welterweight, you know, in the in the ballpark of the top guys at welterweight since 2015. That's when he was still a prospect at the time, but he was basically in that transition phase from prospect to contender. And I think even then Errol Spence has had that aura to him, whether this is from people watching him fight or this is coming from, you know, people who know him, who have sparred with him, who have fought him. That he's the next guy. You know, he's like almost like the Roman Reigns uh, of boxing. And for a long time, Spence has basically been like, this is his division. He is the heir. It is not Keith Thurman. And I don't think even when Floyd, uh, after he beat Pacquiao, that people even thought that it was going to be Thurman. If anything, the, the attention was on Spence, or not Spence, on Crawford eventually moving up. And it didn't help Thurman that he took so long off and he had to deal with the injuries and, and, and all that. That he basically lost his chance, and so I don't think that there's a chance that Thurman would ever be seen as a, as a favorite against Spence. And obviously Manny Pacquiao, for very obvious reasons, would not be seen as a as a favorite over Spence. I mean, when you have the guy who trains you saying we're not interested in that fight with Spence, it, it's it's like that's the guy who would know best out of everyone that he's got no chance against him. And you know, same goes with like why they didn't make the fight with Terence Crawford. It's like. Freddie Roach came out and said, no, nah, we're not going to fight Crawford. And there's a reason why. He's watching Pacquiao closely. He sees Crawford. He knows what his guy can do, and it's not enough to beat that guy. So I, don't, I think the, the only thing that would change is maybe the, the curiosity of the fight, but not necessarily the thought about how it would play out.
1: I mean, just just as long as you're talking about Freddie Roach's comments. I mean, he said this week that <laughs> that they would love the winner of Spence Porter. So, <laughs> I I would take anything he says with a grain of salt because that dude just says a lot of stuff. But I mean, I I wasn't making the case that he would be a favorite over Spence. But I I mean, I guess in conjunction with Spence Porter, if Spence Porter is like an eight to four competitive eight to four fight for Spence, or like uh... seven five even. Mhm. And and it and Thurman knocks out Pacquiao and like six round knockout and just looks great. I don't see how people could just like continue with this idea. Like I would still probably favor Spence and I do I do agree with you that Spence has always been the more um blue chip kind of stands out from the jump.
0: He's Rocky Miami. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean he's he certainly is, but but I don't think I mean, we have to deal in the realm of reality. And I think that, like, it could be public perception can shift a lot in ways that people don't necessarily expect. And I think Thurman looking fantastic and Spence. I mean, does anyone really think it would be impossible for Porter to make it the fight ugly and have it be like a competitive fight, just like Porter has had with everybody? I mean, I do. Well, it depends on Spence wants to fight, too, because if, I mean, if Thurman knocks out Pacquiao and everyone's talking about Thurman, how does Spence choose to, because I think Spence could probably outbox him from the outside and win going away.
0: Well, that's because Sean Porter can't fight on the outside, see your Dennis Ugas fight.
1: Well, yeah, but but do you think that coming off of a 12-round decision over Mikey and a Thurman knockout of Pacquiao, that Spence is going to fight like that in another pay-per-view fight? Like...
0: I, Ooh, I have a hard time. This? I have a hard time
1: believing that he's not. He's not going to try to beat him up.
0: What about this? Spence goes to the Porter fight, gets himself into that eight-four fight because he lets himself get hit so that people think he's beatable in order to get uh, the fight with Thurman.
1: Okay, is he going to go to Evil Sanchez and Big Bear afterwards? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: So, I don't. Yeah. I. I. We're. We're in agreement. There's nothing that's gonna change the the real like perspective that people have on the Spence fight, but I do think it can get closer. It can get interesting, and the storyline can change. I mean, right now the storyline is like, can Spence, um, can Thurman survive in there with Spence? Can Manny Pacquiao survive in there with Spence? But let's say for arguments like that, Pacquiao just Marquez is Thurman. I think. See that that actually
1: I do think is the most interesting. Um, outcome and I think I don't think that Pacquiao is ever going to fight Spence I don't for the same reasons that you said and in the in the larger sense is like okay let's let's say because I do think that this fight will probably do over half a million pay-per-views this uh, Pacquiao Thurman fight if Pacquiao knocks out Thurman cold I don't see how his next fight wouldn't be like Floyd Mayweather or Mikey Garcia.
0: Get out <laughs> of here. To Get out at- Floyd's gonna come out of retirement for this. Dude,
1: if because think about it, Pacquiao doing that to Thurman, I don't know if Floyd couldn't just be like, well, now people might say some shit about Pacquiao, and I know I could still beat him. So let's go <laughs> out here and make another let's sell another three let's million pay-per-views. And let me beat his ass. I, I mean, I think that that I think that if if Pacquiao wins, there's a greater chance of him fighting Floyd than fighting Spence.
0: What about Mikey?
1: Yeah, I think Mikey's probably another. I mean, he's another likely option, sure. Yeah,
0: because I think Mikey's fight hasn't been announced for a reason. They're being very coy about the negotiations, um, about what's next for him. He's taking meetings, blah blah blah. I think This is all for a reason. And I think that this fight is going to set up the rest of the, the PBC guys at Welterweight. I think they, they've always known that Spence was going to fight Porter. And that was just the most natural fight to make um, in terms of building Spence up and get, giving him the prestige of being a unified champion at Welterweight. But, like, I think that if Pacquiao wins this fight, then it's very likely that he might fight Mikey next. And, and I mean, let's, let's be real here, okay? If Pacquiao... Beats Thurman whether by decision or he you know puts him unconscious. What does more buys Pacquiao versus Mikey or Pacquiao versus Spence?
1: Yeah, I mean it might be worth that Mikey taking an interim fight, but yeah, I mean obviously the Pacquiao versus the Mexican is, has been a great has been a great uh, combination <laughs> from, through Pacquiao's For entire a decade, community. yeah, <laughs>
0: two decades almost. This
1: is probably closer to fifteen years. I don't know when.
0: So for PBC, what do you think is the best outcome?
1: Well, it kind of depends on what you mean for by for PBC. I think the way that uh, Al Heyman can make the most money is Pacquiao winning and then Floyd coming back and fighting him, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. I know it's crazy, but uh, as far as like the whole PBC ecosystem, as Tom likes to say, I think the best outcome will be Thurman winning in spectacular fashion. Well, I, I think... I think that that resets, yes, Thurman back up as at the top of the division, at least if not in boxing his minds. Whatever people can still be negative about Thurman, but in the general public, and then you, yeah, you can go straight into the Spence fight. You can do a rematch with Danny. You can, I mean, he could lose to Spence, and you could still do a rematch with Danny or Sean. Or it just gives a lot more uh, potential outcomes potential spinoffs from it and i mean not that you could have a a really good outcome with with pacquiao too i just think pacquiao has fewer opponents that he would probably
0: that he would fight versus not that he could fight
1: yeah essentially it takes spence off the board i think and that's the the most important piece for pbc so even though i mean certainly pacquiao Pacquiao winning would set up another would set up the next biggest fight. The next fight would be sell more than than Thurman winning, but I think Thurman would they would be able to get more juice out of him for longer.
0: I think one of the problems I think that they have is that no I, I think Thurman winning is the closest they're gonna get, but there's no real passing of the torch moment for Pacquiao to pass it over to Thurman or Spence. I just don't see that that like there being much to pass. I mean you're basically passing a match at this point. Versus an actual torch. Um, do you think that Thurman winning would have been better? Or, sorry, Broner beating Pacquiao would, would have been a better option for PBC than than Thurman?
1: Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> like, uh, I, I understand the argument that you could make for it, and maybe you'll choose to make it. But... <laughs> Relax. I actually I actually I actually kind of disagree with you on the it being impossible to patch the torch because I don't think Pacquiao is as diminished in in the general public's mind necessarily as as you might. I mean, he fought they fought a horn the horn fight. I feel like people have either written that off as being corrupt, whether it was or not, or, or being a bad decision, whether it was, it was absolutely or absolutely corruption. Yeah. OK, Paul, relax. <laughs> Teddy Atlas over here. Teddy. Um, Well, yeah, no, so, but I I really don't, I think people have kind of written that off, and I think Pacquiao is still Pacquiao, especially coming off of what happened with Broner. I think if he had just lost to Broner, I I think he needed the one showcase on PBC and back stateside to get back in the kind of the public eye. And I do think, I mean, it it might only be 50% of what it would have been if he hadn't gone and, Wasted two years after the the pack fight, but I do I I think beating Pacquiao means more than beating as far as like passing of the torture as far as public public popularity, beating Pacquiao would do more for Thurman than any other. I mean, then then beating Garcia or beating Porter did, or even beating Spence at this point.
0: Do you think as far
1: well, as the as far as the general public?
0: Well, let me tell you what I think. Um, if Pacquiao wins on Saturday, so he goes. He beats Broner, he beats Thurman, and then he gets the Floyd fight, a rematch with Floyd Mayweather, regardless of whatever the outcome of that fight be. This would be the greatest three-something deal in the history of sports, whether that be three fights, three years, three seasons. It would be the greatest deal in history to get Broner, to get Thurman, and to get a rematch with Floyd. I mean, Manny's tax issues erased. Manny would be set up for life and he's not giving Bob Arum that 30 something percent cut. I mean, that would be insane for Manny Pacquiao. I mean, what do you think a win is going to do for Pacquiao's legacy?
1: Well, I think in the moment people might, I don't, I, I feel like there's a lot of people, like I said, that want to write off Thurman. And so people might choose to take it, take that route with it. And Honestly, a lot of it depends on what Thurman would do after that. If Thurman never fights again, or if Thurman fights like one more time and looks like trash and loses to, um, I don't know, loses you to Omar Figueroa or whatever. <laughs> well, no, but if he if he if he just kind of falls off the map and never returns, I mean, then it might not be as big of a deal. But I mean, if Thurman comes back and is still like a top, legit top five or top ten heavy or uh, welterweight. That'd be a heavyweight so, yeah. if he wants. If he's, a heavy, <laughs> if he's a heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I think I think that a lot of it would would be based on whether Thurman is perceived as being legit or not. Um, but I think it should be something that is like a feather in his cap. I mean, nobody else is doing this. It's like fighting fighting world class opposition at forty fighting guys in their prime, I think it's uh, it's pretty damn cool.
0: Well, all of those guys that have been able to successfully do that are all-time great fighters, like a Bernard Hopkins. I think a win for Manny Pacquiao, for his legacy, um, this would be huge, because Manny Pacquiao will have been perhaps one of the most dominant fighters of all time. And while he lost to Marquez, you can say that well, Marquez was, uh, you know, the result of Those guys fighting each other for like 40-something rounds. Uh, Somebody was bound to get knocked out. Manny Pacquiao already basically won three times. Floyd Mayweather is, you know, one of the all-time greats. So, you know, it's no shame in that loss. Pacquiao's early losses were because of weight or whatever. And that Jeff Horn loss and the Timothy Bradley loss was because Bob Aaron paid for him to lose. Then you take everything else away. It's like, wow, Manny Pacquiao was dominant even against the top guys at 147 for a long time, and you know how boxing fans are, Um, if you're going to be making the case not to disparage Manny Pacquiao, but rather to compliment him on the success he had in this fight against uh, Keith Thurman and in the latter part of his career, you're not going to talk about Keith Thurman like, oh, you know, Keith Thurman was a loser and he wasn't good and he was injured and he was out of the ring. You're going to say this is a guy who's 29 years old or however old Keith Thurman is um, and he beat him. And Manny Pacquiao, at 40 years old, was still better than all these young guys that are out there. He's 30 now. So um, I, I think it'd be huge. I mean, the question is like, how does it affect Floyd? You know, Manny and Floyd were connected for years and years and years. Six or seven years, these guys were connected. I mean, th- I mean actually, a decade now. So in 2009 is when the negotiations first initially started for those two guys fighting. When uh, that fight came into the realm of possibility. And so, you know, Floyd Mayweather has a win over Manny Pacquiao. If Manny Pacquiao comes out and beats Keith Thurman, how does that affect Floyd Mayweather? Because you said that if Manny's legacy will depend on Keith Thurman's future, should Pacquiao win? So what do you think about how it would affect Floyd if Manny went off and beat Thurman?
1: Well, I mean, I'm not in Floyd's head, but <laughs> only only we could make this about Floyd. But, uh, uh,
0: Floyd honestly... Floyd going to find a way to make this about him by Saturday.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if he doesn't, Fred will be on on Monday to make sure it's about him. <laughs> no, but um, it, I guess you got to get in Floyd's head, though, because, I mean, you could look at it one of two ways. Either he beat a guy who... He beat a guy in 2015 who could still become a legitimate uh, champion of the division, like win a legitimate title against a guy in his prime in 2019. You could look at it like, big upping his own legacy or he could look at it like i know that as long as manny pacquiao's not on on peds i beat him 100 times out of 100 and so i'm gonna come back and do it again and (laughs) steal his shine again (laughs) and pacquiao would take it because pacquiao wants the money
0: that september date's open
1: i mean anything's possible it's the power of social media
0: um which matchup from the past does this remind you of I'm talking about the power of social media. (laughs) There it
1: is. Uh, So you put this question on the rundown. It it made me think quite a bit because I I don't think that there's really a a perfect uh, comparison. But I came up with three that at least, well, I guess four that kind of at least have certain elements of of, um, the same, I don't know, it has certain elements of it. So the four I came up with were A.J. versus Vladimir Klitschko.
0: Interesting. Oscar de la Hoya
1: versus uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. Mm-hmm. Danny Garcia versus Eric Morales. And uh, Canelo versus Miguel Cotto. For all for different reasons.
0: Did the older guy win in any of those matchups? Um, No. What about Kelly Pavlik and Bernard Hopkins? No. The younger guy did not win. Uh, so history does, is not in Manny Pacquiao's favor. The, the, the one thing outside of, um, well, I guess those are all really great fighters. You know, Miguel Cotto, Chavez, um, who else? Vladimir Klitschko. Who's the other one that you mentioned? Uh, Danny Garcia versus Eric Morales. All great fighters. Manny Pacquiao ain't those guys. Um, you can take that however you want. I'll just leave it open-ended. Um, what do you think is the least likely outcome in this fight? Um, I,
1: I feel like this might be a little bit of a hot, t- hot take based on. Some I was going to the- put a
0: question here that says, what is your hot take about this fight? So let's <laughs> substitute this one. Uh, so what is the least likely outcome? AKA what is your hot take about this fight? Well,
1: I think that there's a lot of people that see this blueprint for Manny to stop Keith because Lopez almost stopped him. Uh, and because he's gotten hurt to the body before. Uh, but I think that the, by far the least likely—I mean, if we're just going with the four traditional outcomes—by far the least likely outcome is, would be Pacquiao stopping stopping Keith. Uh, he's not had a legitimate knockout against. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can just write off the Matisse fight. I don't think Matisse was anything more than a cardboard cutout uh, in that fight. And so, if we're taking that out, I don't—he hasn't had a, a knockout in yeah over ten years.
0: Or in yeah, 2008 so, against Hatton? No, no, he, I believe he stopped Cotto in 2009.
1: Yeah, I was just to say it was a Cotto fight, but that's over 10 years ago. So uh, I just I I don't see that. I don't see how that could happen. Uh, I mean, I guess I could. Like everyone else has said, uh, oh, yeah, he, he almost got stopped by Lopez, which he did. And uh, he almost got, like, well, he's been hurt to the body so many times versus Colazo and all this other stuff. Uh, I don't don't think I think I think I don't think Thurman would allow himself to get stopped. I mean, that's the overlooked part of what happened in that that round against Lopez. I mean, sure, like you're almost getting stopped by Jose Cito Lopez. Uh, It's not really saying much positive about you. But the other way to look at it is he found himself in a really shitty situation and and not in the best shape or not in the, uh, the most fighting shape. And he still maneuvered away around to survive the round without really getting hit with anything else. And got his legs back under him. And I mean, say what you want about him riding his bike the rest of the fight, but he won most of the rounds. Uh, I mean, <laughs> unless you're that one crazy judge that had it to draw, which is just a God awful scorecard, but
0: hey, it happens. I mean, but you, you bring up a good point that I, maybe people don't really think about that much is like, some fighters have a will where if you don't knock them out cold, you're not going to stop them. Um, the referees, somebody's going to have to take mercy and make the the big the bigger decision there because they're not going to do it. You know, I I don't see Deontay Wilder really demonstrated it against Luis Ortiz where like that was pretty bad the way Ortiz was knocking him around the ring, but Wilder just has that uh, that will maybe or maybe it's just a lack of wherewithal to even know to just like take a knee or something um and I think Thurman is like that too where if Pacquiao doesn't put him away like himself he's not going to get him out of there That like Thurman is just going to keep coming and um that you know that's a skill to be able to fight hurt you know um who was it recently was it wasn't Diego De La Hoya. it was this past weekend somebody just could not fight hurt And it really hurt them. Um, Damn, I can't remember. We've all seen it before, where somebody doesn't know how to fight hurt. The commentator's like, why doesn't he hold? Why doesn't he hold? And the dude just getting destroyed in the ring before somebody throws a towel in. Um, I think Keith Thurman knows how to fight hurt. And he knows what to do. He's been hurt enough at this point, as with Manny Pacquiao, that... um, I think both of these guys are going to be incredibly hard to stop, which is why I think the least likely outcome is that there's a stoppage anyway, whether that be Pacquiao stopping Thurman or Thurman stopping Pacquiao. I I like the fact that Thurman is going to take the risk to score a knockout, and I like the fact that Manny Pacquiao is just so precise with his punches and that Thurman, with his risk-taking, is going to be open for those shots. But I don't think either guy is going to really connect in the way that puts the other guy down or is able to end the fight. Um, I think both of their punching power at this point is overrated. Thurman's punching power has always been overrated. And he's a guy that's gotten stoppages and knockdowns and stuff because he's willing to throw the power shots and the guys that are vulnerable just wind up eating them. But Thurman hasn't legitimately knocked someone out in a really long time. And, um, I mean, like, if we look at his, his resume, you know, he fought... He hurt Danny Garcia, but, like, you know, a lot of guys can hurt other guys. Um, the last guy, like, he legitimately, like... Even the Julio Diaz stoppage, which I was at in 2014, I didn't even think that was super legit. I think the last, like, real, like, Keith Thurman just brutalized somebody was Jesus Soto Carras back in 2013, which was less a little less than six years ago. So I, I don't see a stoppage in this fight. I think take the over. This is definitely gonna go twelve, hedge it with uh Pacquiao knockout. Is that how it works? Yeah, sounds right to me. (laughs) Did I did I dwyer that one? Um all right, any final thoughts on this fight? I'm not a hedge
1: betting professional like uh Dwyer, so
0: any any last thoughts on this fight or should we move on?
1: Um well I mean just the other thing would be a prediction? The the prediction on the buys. I mean I think I I skipped
0: over that question. Good good catch. Uh, Tom would yeah, be so I... disappointed right now. You know Tom's in a cold sweat because we haven't mentioned a number.
1: Do you have a, a number that you think is like the floor, or do you have a number that you want to throw out as a prediction?
0: Four hundred thousand is the floor, I think. Anything under that would be pretty underwhelming and and I would consider it underperforming. I think the floor is about four hundred thousand. I think that half a million is probably around where it'll be, maybe a little more. Um I, I I, think it... So what did Pacquiao Broner do? Did it do 650? Pacquiao Broner? No, I did 400. Really? I thought... Yeah, unless I, I'm I unless mixed mixed up. Up. Yeah, no. I got all my numbers mixed up. Um, yeah, 400,000. I think uh, that's the floor here. 400,000. I think while Adrian Broner was able to talk and all that stuff, I don't think he had the cachet uh, to, to really um, get people interested in the fight. I think... Thurman as a world champion does. I think the fox, um, the fox push is going to make a difference, and I think the floor is about four hundred. The question is, does it do? I mean, I guess that I answer the question by with a yes by saying the floor is four hundred that it'll do better than uh, the Pacquiao Broner and the Spence Garcia pay per views. But do you think it'll do better than those? Yeah, most
1: well, definitely. I mean, I kind of already gave it away, but. I mean, I, I see the floor – you could say it's lower, but I, I can't imagine it going less than half a million. I think it'll probably be closer to 600. I mean, I just don't see any way – like, even from Pacquiao fans' perspective, I, the Broner pay-per-view didn't have, like, a, a real natural storyline for Pacquiao, whereas, I mean, this one, winning a, winning a world title at 40 over a legitimate champion – um having the push from fox just it all points into like it it's going to significantly outdo the broner pay-per-view and so i mean i think if i had a number to throw out there i'd say trending towards 600 would be where, where my prediction would be but i i don't see any world in which it does less than 500
0: um yeah i don't i don't i i i'm a little less optimistic but not by much i I do think that i'm not i don't think you're crazy I can definitely see the 600 number um but I don't see it going under 400 that's for sure um I think I think there's a lot more reason to be excited about this fight than there was with the broner fight I think if you knew but like if you've watched boxing before you knew that broner wasn't just wasn't gonna come in and, and throw punches there was no reason to buy it because I think in that fight, the outcome was clear, and it was Pacquiao was going to decision Broner. And I think this time around, Pacquiao is actually in danger of some other result that isn't Pacquiao win. Um, let's move on. Your Dennis Ugas is the co event. He will be facing Omar Figueroa. Do you think? Um, so your Dennis Ugas is coming off of a decision loss. I think it was like a majority decision loss to Sean Porter. Um, that was an ugly fight. I don't think anybody really enjoyed it that much. Um, certainly, if you think or your Dennis Ugas won that fight, you have a clear argument. Like I'm not going to dispute that. Um, he now faces Omar Figueroa, who's coming off of a win over John Molina, and that was a pretty good fight. I mean, heading into this fight, like, do you think who do you think is the favorite here? Uh, I think
1: Ugas has to be the favorite. Uh, just because we've seen him more consistently recently against, I mean, at least competent level competition, whereas Figueroa has been so unpredictable, but I would also really like to see what Omar Figueroa looks like at the weigh-in before, before I can really give a, a truly intelligent answer. Um, because I mean, I know a lot of people have written Omar Figueroa Figueroa off. What's that?
0: I said, when was the last time we saw abs on Figueroa? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah that's kind of my point um but i think a lot of people have written omar figure off and i'm probably further on the optimistic side of his career still than most people maybe that makes me a fool but i think there's no doubt that you have to make ugas the favorite um
0: certainly i i i definitely agree with that ugas is the favorite here but like and, and i think everything points to ugas is going to win this fight you know he's He basically just proved that he was as good as Sean Porter. Ugas has been on a roll. He beat Ray, like he smoked Ray Robinson. Ray Robinson's over here, you know, derailing Eddie Hearn's prospect. And I just, when all signs point to one thing, but that one thing in in what we're talking about right now is Jordanus Ugas, he's not an elite welterweight. It leads me to believe that we're missing something. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Omar Figueroa is going to beat him. But I think that there's potential that this fight may not look exactly like you're, you're expecting. Like, let's not sleep on the fact that, yes, Omar Figueroa looked terrible in his last fight in terms of his physique. But Omar Figueroa is a competent fighter. There's a reason why initially in 2013, Figueroa was one of, like, the next stars Showtime was bringing up. Um, right next to Keith Thurman. And Deontay Wilder, like these guys, were all getting featured on on Showtime as like the next crop of you know world champions. And while Thurman and and Wilder went on to bigger and better things, Omar Figueroa um went on to have troubles personally that have kept him out of the ring. So, is it possible that Figueroa comes in and and looks good in this fight? I I think it totally is, and I think it'd be a fool to not have that in the back of your mind that Figueroa could come in and and give ugas trouble like let's not forget that your dennis ugas as good as he's looked recently has also been beaten in his career you know your dennis ugas as much as we all love on ugas and there's no reason to not like ugas but like if, if he's got four losses in his career at this point
1: yeah, he's been decisively beaten and i mean like a mere a mom yeah i think he kind of had he he took that time off and Change camps and stuff. I don't know. There's reasons that you can excuse uh, or like say that this is a new point in his career, but I do think that there's a version of this fight where where uh, Figueroa comes out like extremely aggressively and high volume and catches like Ugas off guard. I certainly think that there's that it'll be more entertaining than the fight with Porter because essentially that was like the. Name brand version of like the bootleg uh, Easter <laughs> Easter Bartholomew fight, <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, Easter Bartholomew was the knockoff version, it's but a great um,
0: value version,
1: exactly. Um, but yeah, I do think that there's uh, an argument to be made that Figueroa could cause him trouble. It it, t- it really all depends on honestly, like Figueroa's preparation, which is. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Suspect at
0: best. Yeah, but few years. I
1: mean, I guess it's like the Broner syndrome. Like, oh, this time he's it's different. Not that Broner is ever out of shape. Uh, Sometimes he's heavy, but he's never looked like uh, Figueroa has looked physique wise. But
0: at a weigh-in for sure.
1: But uh, yeah, (laughs) okay, good, good. Thanks for that caveat, because Broner certainly looked. uh, like a balloon at certain points just not never on the scales
0: i mean he likes his nachos like what are you gonna do
1: hey i'm not mad at him yeah but um yeah point being i I do think that there's a a version of figueroa that could come and step up the offensive output and make ugas uncomfortable and the fight would could certainly be a lot more um pleasing to the eye than ugas porter was
0: um yeah so Do you think that this is a good move for Ugas at this point in his career? I mean,
1: he's getting back. It's his WBC title eliminator. So he's getting right back kind of in the long line of uh, whatever he has um, to get back at a title shot. And doing it against someone like Figueroa, who, I mean, in theory is a fairly easy opponent to get himself back in the title eliminator situation. I, I think it's a good step for him to take. I do think that I mean, obviously he's gonna be disappointed with the outcome of the porter fight and there's a natural like step back that you have to take. But as far as all those options, uh he seems to have landed pretty softly on his feet here with this uh with this Figueroa fight.
0: Yeah, and I would agree with that because you know, you could get yourself into a into a like an eliminator fight um against a guy that nobody knows that's ranked number three. And he's never fought in America before. And it's like, that that fight doesn't make the card. But to get yourself in this position and to do it against Omar Figueroa, who, while he has been out of the spotlight or he's been in and out, he's still a guy that everyone knows in boxing. Everyone recognizes him. If you're a boxing fan, you know Omar Figueroa. And you know at least one incident that had him miss a fight or two. So... I think for Ugas, this is still undefeated.
1: So I mean, you could you could always that's always a selling point. I was the first guy to beat him. Blah blah blah.
0: True. Omar Figueroa, in general, just slept on, and that's probably all because of his own doing. Um, You know, because even if Ugas, or sorry, if Figueroa wins this fight, I don't think he gets credit for it, and it's because he just doesn't look like he doesn't look the part. You know, he comes in soft. He definitely looks like a blown-up 135-pound fighter at 147. I mean, Mikey looks ripped compared to Figueroa.
1: Also, I mean, the, the real problem would be you have no clue if he's going to show up the next fight and <laughs> and be the same guy.
0: Or if he'll show up at all. That too. <laughs> he might no-show the way in. Um, so... Next fight on the card, Sergey Lipinets versus John Molina. Lipinets coming off of that dramatic win over Lamont Peterson. John Molina coming off coming off of a loss against Omar Figueroa. Um I think this fight is just basically like here you filthy animals, here's 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 two guys just going to beat the hell out of each other until they can't anymore. Um do you think that it's going to live up to that?
1: Um yes. I do 100%. Uh, I do see, like, everyone thinks that. So, obviously, like, what's the most likely outcome? It's the least likely outcome. <laughs> Some oh, type of boring no. fight. But, Molina no, just I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm 100% in on this being a back and forth, just, just disgusting tear up. Both guys bleeding. Uh, Molina. I mean, dude, Molina a tough guy to get out of there, man. Like, for how much punishment he takes, uh, uh, he is—he's a tough guy. So, I mean, yeah, no, I think this is going to be just a just a all action, all action fight. Maybe Lipinets can get him out of there. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe Lipinets just eats a bunch of shots and gets sent to hell. Who knows? But I, I certainly make Lipinets the favorite. But I don't see—I don't see this not living up to the hype.
0: I mean, Molina has only been stopped twice. Or Technically three times, but the first time he got stopped against DeMarco wasn't super legit. It was stopped pretty quickly in the first round, but his other two stoppage losses was against Lucas Matisse and against Terrence Crawford. And um, Matisse, that was an 11-round fight where Molina basically dropped him twice, had him hurt in the first round. Um, Molina took a hell of a lot of punishment. By the way, this was on the undercard of um, Thurman Diaz which we talked about earlier and then um then there was the Crawford fight where Crawford Crawford didn't like knock him out or anything Crawford just kind of you know just beat the hell out of him uh and that fight had to be stopped um so if Lipinitz could like knock him out that'd be pretty crazy I don't see it happening but um yeah I think this will be the best fight on the card like without question um I just don't see a pathway where either guy could defend themselves enough that they don't just beat the hell out of each other.
1: Yeah, whatever whatever the uh, line is on both guys getting knocked down, uh, I would I would throw a a couple of dollars on that one. Just a, a couple of dollars on just the knockdowns on on both guys getting knocked down at some point in the
0: fight. I wonder what the line would for that would be because I I definitely see that as as a, a high possibility here. Um. Because especially with Molina's opponents, we're like Molina loads up a lot. And if he you you he's hittable, so you're obviously gonna take a risk, and then you get hit with something big. Ask Ivan Redkag. Um yeah. Luis Neri will face Juan Carlos Paono Payano on the undercard. Uh I have one question about this fight because I think we both know this is gonna be a squash match. Um does beating Paiano mean anything for Luis Neri at this point
1: um yeah I think uh Paiano had never gotten stopped until he I mean obviously he got stopped in one round by Inoue but he was the only guy that stopped him yeah I mean I, yeah I, th- I think first of all it's a direct um it's about as direct of a comparison with your main rival in the division as you could possibly get fighting him in the same within 12 months and uh and being able to compare performances, but so I, I do think uh, going out there and getting a stoppage is is important, and I, I do think that he could get something out of it. I don't know who there really aren't that many bantamweights currently available that would get him any more credit, and also just increasing his visibility in the U.S. I think is important. Uh, it's another high-profile card. So, if for no other reason than see his face again and get him more exposure to um, the fan base that's watching, because I mean, there aren't that many bantamweights that people know in the U.S. And so, just just kind of increasing his profile, even if it is against Payano. I mean, Payano is a legitimate a legitimate opponent for him. It's not like it's not like he's washed a hundred percent of the way. He's probably only washed like fifty percent of the way. And important yeah, distinction yeah. There. I, I do think I do think it means I do think it means something for his for his overall career, even if it doesn't mean anything necessarily for what you think of his skill level going forward.
0: I think what really makes this uh, important for Neri is that there's a clear pathway for him to get his title back. But also, I, I think there's a clear future for him in the PBC uh Uh, on the pvc side of things because you have this growing stable at 122 you know guillermo rigando being the most prominent name there but you have brandon figueroa who's going to be headlining a card soon you have these bantamoids that they have you have Manny pacquiao's guys from his stable i think that this offers um you know these guys could be the openers essentially for these big PBC cards. And they offer good entertaining fights. You, The majority of these fights tend to go rounds. So you can time out the cards uh, a little. Pr- you can predict the time, I guess. Having these fights on the cards. And, you know, having a 24-year-old Mexican world champion is never a bad thing. And I think Luis Neri provides that. I mean, he's the perfect guy for this situation. Um... And who knows what Neary's ceiling is, you know? He's 5'6", which is pretty uh, a good size for Bantamweight. At 5'6", he might even be taller than Manny Pacquiao. And so who knows what the ceiling is for Luis Neary. But in terms of, like, taking a flyer out on a prospect, like, or I, I technically, Neary's not a prospect because he's already have, had a world title. But taking a flyer out on a guy like Luis Neary, I think is a great idea. Um, as far as beating Paiano, I don't think it means anything. Um, I don't think it's supposed to. Um, I think this is just an exposure fight. If they really wanted Payano, or sorry, not Piano, but Neri, to get like exposure and to get a win that means something, I think they put him in with a world champion. And I like this is the pay per view undercard. There's no bantamweight fight outside of maybe the ones taking place in the World Boxing Super Series. But I might even uh, push back on that. There's no fight at bantamweight where the fighters are going to get paid as much as they're going to get paid uh opening the card for pacquiao and thurman do you disagree with that
1: um i mean like if you're asking if they're going to be main eventing a card will they make more money Um i I, the boxing economics are all fucked up now so i don't maybe like you got juan francisco estrada making like six hundred thousand dollars to headline cards that sell 600 tickets so i don't know (laughs)
0: I mean, but you take Um, Nordin Ubali, who just fought in Kazakhstan. Do you think that guy is going to get paid as much for fighting over there as he would if he fought uh, Luis Neri on this card? I don't know. I'm not confident, though, to say yes or no. But I also don't think...
1: I don't think that there are that many guys that really, truly matter that are currently in the PBC stable that they are really interested in matching Neri with. I mean, I think they want him to get his world title back, and so eventually... When that is possible, I mean, Ubali, whether Ubali has it or whether Kameda has it or whoever whoever has it, I think eventually they'll get him that fight. But I don't think they really see that fight as being that much bigger or that much different than a piano fight.
0: I mean, I think they see him at 122 against Figueroa. I mean, yeah, that's fair, I suppose. Um,
1: I don't know. I guess, I guess we'll have to see with uh, with Neri if he can still continue to make 118 with ease. Uh, uh, which if they, has if been they a problem him for him. Well, I, the the thing that people overlook about the nearly missing weight that one time, I it was the fact that the WBC weigh-ins, he had looked like completely on track to make the weight. At the thirty-day weigh-in, he needed to lose like eight pounds. At like the fourteen-day weigh-in, he had to lose like literally four pounds. And then when he weighed in, he was like three and a half pounds over. It was like. If you could just get him some competent people around him, I don't think that he needs to be using PEDs to make 118. I think that whole like, I don't know. I think the internet took that whole these losers on the subreddit <laughs> basically took this whole ridiculous concept on that. But as long as he can keep making 118, I maybe the PVC sees him as getting him a world title and and just having him bring credibility to cards by by opening cards with world title fights, and then yeah, maybe in two years or. Uh, something they have him move up and fight Figueroa after he's become a legitimate world champion there too but uh, for now I yeah like I said I, I don't think him uh, fighting anyone else in the division really would mean that I mean I guess with the exception of Inoue or I guess Donaire would be a bigger name but other than that I mean Payano he lost to uh, Inoue he's like what 37 or 36 or whatever he is but he's got a decent resume. I don't know. Seems like a good fight
0: um, to me. I'm, I mean, Neri would be basically in the Inoue position. And what, what I mean by that is like that guy from the smaller weight classes that all the the hipster boxing fans use to justify why they know more about boxing than you because they can name this guy and they can put this guy on their pound for pound list. I think if Neri wouldn't have beaten like the Japanese fan favorite in uh, Shinsuke uh, Yamanaka – um, Neri would fill that position. Him and Inouye, like, they would be, like, they, you know, they'd basically split the hardcore, uh, hipster fans, and it would be, like, the 118-pound version of Mayweather Pacquiao, but the drug test stuff, the, the missing weight, and then just the utter obliteration of Yamanaka, which people believe was not legit, because they think uh, Neri was cheating, if you don't, it, like... That this blows my mind that people think that he needed to cheat to beat Yamanaka. Um, it's just pure fanboy nonsense because Yamanaka was begging to be knocked out. Um, if you look at the fights leading up to it, but I guess that's what happens when you don't actually watch fights. Um, on the Fox part, so basically that's... We just covered the pay-per-view. But on Fox, starting at 4 o'clock, they're going to show another card. And this one is going to be headlined by Caleb Plant. Um, he'll be facing Mike Lee. Um, Why do you think that they put Caleb Plant in this position? I mean, you would think that being the co-main event of the card would be better and would probably even drive buys better than Ugas versus Figueroa. Why do you think that they put him on the Fox part?
1: Um, Well, I'm not exactly sure 100% how the Fox deal works. Um, If, like, Fox wanted to have the second best or the second biggest name on had because this is still a Fox card and then a Fox pay-per-view card. Um and so I don't know if they thought like they need just like they needed Thurman as a name, just like they needed Leo Santa Cruz as a name, just like they needed uh Jared Hurt his name, whatever. Like every every Fox card has had a big name. And so I don't know if swap like say you swap uh Caleb Plant fight versus whoever it could have been Mike Lee or someone else uh with the ugas figueroa fight i don't know if that really works for fox they're more interested in having a big name than uh than like a really competitive fight or i mean obviously i think they want to have competitive fights too but their number one priority would be that and i i also think so i mean yeah that could be part of it but i also think that they are they know well enough that they want to get plant story out there again And really have him exposed to the widest audience they can um, in preparation of what's to come. I think that obviously, I mean, him being uh, a white dude who's a legitimate world champion boxer and also has a compelling story. Um, It's yeah, pretty much everything you would want uh, if you're trying to build the next um, TV star fighter or whatever. Um, or at least he, he's got a good chance to be. So I think Fox are really invested in him on that level too, and want him to get that exposure.
0: And what you're what obviously they're building towards is the the fight with David Benavidez. and we we've heard today that the rumor is that um, Porter and Spence is going to be announced this weekend. and very likely the the other fight that's going to be attached with it is going to be um, Anthony Durrell. David Benavides, you think that there's a possibility that David Benavides fills this role on the Fox or uh, on the Spence Porter pay per view, where it's actually going to happen on Fox before the pay per view starts?
1: Um, no, I think it'll be the coming event. Do you think both that's because, because that both because that was what reported, and even more so because I think it's gonna Benavides is gonna play a large port a large portion of selling tickets in Los Angeles because neither Spence nor Porter has a real natural fan base out there. And so putting him closer to the top of the card and having him on like, yeah, like not fifth from the top, but second from the top is important just for like moving tickets.
0: I agree with that. I think um, also, I I think, David Benavides helps to sell pay-per-views in a fight with Anthony Durrell more than Caleb Plant versus Mike Lee Do you think that the fight's going to feel weird because the arena's basically going to be empty at that point? Um I mean I don't know I th- I think a lot of a
1: lot of aspects of this Fox production because we haven't seen very many of them um their pay-per-views I kind of don't know what to expect um but I would hope that they would have some sort of plan of uh Shooting it in a way that makes it not as weird. Um,
0: <laughs> Just piping in but... audio like it's SmackDown? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, no, I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, do something with the lighting, with the ringside lighting. I don't know. I, uh, eh, I don't know. I, I don't see it being
0: Just weird. Shoot it maybe, like maybe and D, it where will they didn't be. show one side of the arena because it was empty. Yeah, I don't know. I guess. My answer is
1: I I don't really think so. Although I'm not I haven't put much thought into it. I don't know.
0: I mean WWE's even doing that where they're basically putting all the fans uh, on the uh, on the hard cam side or I guess opposite the hard cam, so that they just only shoot half the arena and so it looks like a sellout even though half the arena is empty. I don't think they'll do that. I think it's it's going to be way too difficult to do that for a boxing event. Um, I think that Fox is really trying to duplicate what the UFC did, and I and I don't follow UFC close enough to like one hundred percent be accurate with what I'm saying. But I think the UFC used the Fox cards before to pull in a big audience, and you can expect that Kayla Plant versus Mike Lee will have at least a minimum peop- uh, 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 at least a million people watching. And now you basically have a million people watching a commercial where yes they're gonna get a product that they do want to see but at the same time they're also gonna get you know the the marketing and the the advertising for the pay-per-view and it's a push a last second push to get people to order the pay-per-view i mean the wwe has done this for years where they have the free pre-show um back in the day we had the free for all where you'd get a match on there and they would tell you you know order the pay-per-view here are the storylines that are unfolding oh we have new developments you you got to watch it You know, order, order, order. And I think that's what this serves to do. Um, You know, they did it. Fox likes to do this. They did it before Mayweather McGregor where, yeah, that was a show. That was a showtime pay-per-view. But Fox had the UFC deal and they had a a PBC card before the, the UFC card. Or not the UFC card, the Mayweather McGregor. And they did that with the UFC where they would put these cards, these prelim cards on TV before the event. And I think it makes a lot of sense because there's definitely going to be more people watching this than are than are going to order. So you definitely want to take as big of a percent as you can from that audience that will be on Fox and convert them into pay-per-view viewers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100%. That's what they're doing, and it's smart to do. And I also think that that's another reason why Mike Lee is chosen as the opponent.
0: Because he graduated from Notre Dame?
1: Um, No, because I think... Plants going kind to of outbox him for four rounds, and put a clown suit on him, and and then <laughs> stop him, and, and it'll be entertaining to watch. And you have a Jogba fighting before that, knocking somebody un, unconscious. Do you think? Do you, do you think so? What?
0: So I didn't. You, weren't you telling me you were watching this guy's fights?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I watched a couple of his uh, of whatever his name is. Uh, shit, I can't fucking pronounce it.
0: Ali uh, Ali
1: Ar- Ali Aaron Demirzin. So can uh, you yeah, tell us has,
0: what you found? Oh, he was a Turkish
1: Olympian. Uh, I I watched the amateur fight with <laughs> between him and Joe Joyce, <laughs> and uh, he was he was timing Joyce with some like big winging uh, overhand rights. He's a short. He's shorter. I mean, I don't know. He's maybe like six three. He's not particularly tall. Maybe even shorter than that. Uh, but yeah, I, don't, I don't. know if he's as like uh, soft as he as he was in his amateur days, but he's a big, pretty big dude, and he certainly um, he wasn't afraid to walk forward. Uh, and so I think, as long as if he comes to win, which is an undefeated guy, former Olympian uh, in the same Olympics as Adrogba, um, I would hope he comes to win. And so I think. He'll try to throw winging shots, close the distance, fight at close range. He threw a lot of uh, right-handed uppercuts. Uh, he had like this this combination where he 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 likes to throw around the guard with his right hand, like wide right, looping right hook, and then come up with a right-handed uppercut. And so I think he'll try to do that, and at some point he'll probably get knocked out by Jogba. But it seemed like it would be it would be an interesting fight. I mean, if. The two fights that I watched on YouTube are any indication of how he'll fight uh, a jogwa
0: It took him five rounds to knock out Michael Sprout in 2017. That's like a pretty bad sign. I mean, Michael yeah, Sprout... Yeah, I don't think he has any
1: power. That's the thing. I don't think he has any power. He's got or 10 like,
0: knockouts in 11 fights.
1: Well, okay. But, I mean, anyone... Anyway, does the Olympian come fighting? I mean, where are all his fights at? Like, uh... I don't know. Funny you should yeah. ask. Whatever. Uh, I'm you pretty can...
0: sure that's the German flag and that's the Swedish flag and the sea with the star. Is... Oh, that's Turkey. That's and, Turkey. That's sometimes. Ta- or his uh, home country. Czechoslovakia.
1: Yeah. So, point being is like you can go do the like European backpacking experience <laughs> and. <laughs> And come out with like a ninety-five percent KO ratio. If you're an Olympian, I don't, th- I don't think that means anything about his actual power.
0: Um. All right. So, I think we've covered the pay per view. I think we should talk about um, the big news today, which was that Canelo is not going to be fighting on September 14th. Your thoughts? Uh. Well, I I, th- I find it fascinating from
1: like a business perspective um tom getting harder i don't now. well i don't know if it's if this was the zone just sticking to their guns and saying there are two, two guys you can fight and they couldn't make the kovalov fight and he refuses to fight golovkin so this was the outcome or or what because it seems kind of like that was just a standoff between the two and there was no real resolution and so they decided to push it back the other possibility is it's just legitimately all about him having discomfort with his knee. And so there's kind of just this cover story, in which case that's also fascinating. So I guess I'd have more questions than answers, but it is just an intriguing, intriguing situation because that's, that's not something I ever thought I would see. Canelo just voluntarily giving up those dates or either one of those dates. And it's actually kind of astonishing that it puts everyone else in a weird position because... There should be like a rush to fill that date, but also, but there's a lot of other there's also a lot of other plans that have been laid that might not want to be uprooted. And I mean, if they really try to, if they really think that Golovkin versus Munguia is going to be like the big Mexican Independence Day fight, I got a couple of things to say about that, and they're all very disrespectful. So. Mm Well, yeah. the
0: the The first thing that I thought of when I saw it was that oh, it's got to be the knee. There's no reason to, to delay that date. I mean, say what you want about Canelo, but the one thing you can say is that he's not willing to fight the best available available opponent. I mean, the guy is taking the the tough fights when the like at the right times. You know, he took the Golovkin fight at the perfect time.
1: Well, okay, but let me stop you right there. Is the report was that. Of all the people that he was mentioning fighting, the only two people they would approve is Kovalev and Golovkin, and it seems like the Kovalev deal is not possible right now because they would have to pay too much money and step aside. And Golden Boy is not willing to pay him that money, and so I do think I, it's just interesting that like you could say it's not, and it's not necessarily about not wanting to fight the best. I think he just wants to say fuck you to Golovkin.
0: Well, so I think not fight. for sure that's what's happening. But I also think that, so first of all, you said Golden Boy is not willing to pay. Really? I thought Dazen was signing the checks over there. Well, it's Golden Boy's show? I don't, don't they get licensing
1: fees for shows and then they decide how to use that money? I thought mention? John Skipper was running things. And I don't know. I don't know how this shit's working. I don't know who's. Who, I don't know who's getting checks, but they're not getting big checks over
0: there. Be, be, <laughs> because John Skipper was the one giving out quotes. You know, he he said that we continue to work towards putting together a compelling annual schedule for fight fans. Well, okay, but I think
1: uh, the way I took that was we're not going to pick Canelo to fight anybody but these guys, and Canelo didn't have one of those guys lined up.
0: Um, okay. So we don't know how the money thing works out, but what if they Dazen's willing to give money to golden boy and say, here's for the, for the, for Canelo and the opponent, but that money isn't enough for Sergey Kovalev's demands. So they can't make the fight because they don't have the money. And if golden boy wanted to make that fight, then they'd have to come out of pocket, which I don't think they're going to do. So, I mean, if they can't, and that's what we've been hearing, like, kovalev's like, they're not making, they're not, the offer isn't enough to get, to get Kovalev into the ring. Well, then, if that's the case, then I think Canelo's saying, I'm not fighting Golovkin. I will not fight Golovkin, and now Dazen's stuck in this typical place where, like, we're not going to pay more money for Kovalev. He's not Golovkin, and he has, and we, we're we not going to have another Andy Ruiz situation where he he beats you, and then we have nothing for him because he gets to go back to ESPN.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the way that I read it was that basically they had a, they were offering Kovalev enough money for like the improved offer was enough for Kovalev to be fine with it, but if they do the fight now, they would have to pay both. Like in order to pay off Top Rank to not be involved, even though they've got the co-promotional deal, and to pay off. Uh, Frank Warren and Anthony yard to step aside, it would take like a couple, like or three extra million dollars or something like that. And that's what they wanted in addition to what the actual offer was. And I don't think they were willing to give them that. That was the gist of, I mean, this is me just reading random reports and whatever, like we all do, but that was the gist of what I got. And so I, so the, just the few things that I read today made me think that maybe they'll, they'll go back to the Kovalev fight after he beats yard and they don't have to pay all these other people as much money. And so it's just, you're just paying for Kovalev instead of paying off all these other situations. And at that point, the money might work. They do That's kind of the gist that I got from it, but there's really not that much actual information out there. So,
0: Well, I think there's information. It's just, who do you think is lying? Here's, so Kathy Duva had a quote. She said that, that it was starting to get close and then, Basically, they just cut off communication. Um, They just went silent. And and I think she's talking about, you know, the Canelo side of things. And I don't know. I I tend to think that this might have something to do with the knee. I think they could have made this work. Like, they they could have definitely made the money thing work. But something, like, why just break off the communication? That, if we Mm -hmm. take what Kathy Duva is saying as accurate, then that would be the question and maybe the 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 evidence for this being a knee uh issue versus a money issue i mean what is sergey Kovalev getting fighting anthony yard it can't be like more than like a million or two
1: i don't know man they're going they're going to russia to do it so i mean then their yard has clearly been waiting until his, he took a big fight that was worth enough money that he might actually lose <laughs> and it's, he's getting paid to go to Russia. So I, I don't know. They, I think they might have some type of money coming out of Russia. And if the difference between fighting Canelo in Vegas versus fighting Yard in Russia is only like a couple million dollars or whatever, it's probably not really worth it. But I don't know, man. I This this topic, I, I don't think anybody knows. And so, yeah, certainly it's certainly possible that it could be a knee thing. I don't know. I think the more interesting thing... At this point, is who's going to take that date unless it's actually Golovkin and Mungia, in which case it's the least interesting thing. But
0: I don't really have that Porter. much to. What's that? You would think that naturally it would be Spence Porter. I mean, it's a pay per view targeted for September. Um, if they're not, you know, if Golden Boy isn't going to be able to host uh, a fight that weekend in Vegas, and maybe, you know, we saw with the Golovkin fight when he scheduled a fight in vegas that it did not sell when uh munguia i don't think is actually fought in vegas um those are not interesting fights i don't think but spence and and porter is and so it's interesting that that seemed like the natural like the natural fight to make spence with
1: with benavidez fighting for the wbc title as the capoma in the
0: yeah, you have your traditional like sh- Vegas fight. However, actually, has fought in Vegas before. I take that back. Um, but they're basically saying that fight is happening, just not on that date. And we'll find out the the official date today. But Mike Coppinger tweeted, "It's it's not the September date. Is it? Is it or no? Actually, it is still the For late September date.
1: It's two, two weeks later."
0: Which is which is weird because if you if you have the opportunity to take that that September date, then why not do it?
1: Well, so, but honestly, they might they they only might have found out today that they had the opportunity to take that date. So who knows? I mean, I think there's still a lot of things that are still up in the air, probably. Or or it might have been that they could be up in the air, but now they've already kind of picked their lane and they're not going to switch from it.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think it would be wise if they moved to the September 14th date? I
1: don't know all the logistics behind it, so I don't know if I can really say. Uh, but I don't know; it, it might be, it, it might uh, work in their favor to, to just run what they want to run, and then let the golovkin <laughs> Mungia show just fail miserably, <laughs> and they might end up coming up smelling like roses too. I don't, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to really say.
0: I mean, Im- it- imagine that two weeks later. I mean, first of all, imagine the Golovkin fight. Basically being overshadowed by the Spence Porter fight. I mean, what do you feel? Do you think if those two fights happen within two weeks of each other, which do you think would be the bigger fight?
1: I think Spence, no question. Spence Porter, no question. I don't. First of all, Golovkin is not as interesting as he was two years ago for myriad reasons. Um, He's certainly not interesting fighting Mungia. I don't. If you're interested in Mungia as like a world class fighter um, at this point in time, like I have. i have to question your sanity um and so i don't know but then again i'm not in the the mexican uh the thick of mexican boxing so i maybe there's some diluted opinion about munguia that i don't share that is out there um and the combination with maybe some people are still interested in glovekin on that level um i don't know it's just to me it's a mismatch between two people who right now are at like the least compelling that they've been over the last like three years so i'll just the whole sum the, the whole sum of its parts is not adding up to being much whereas i think spence porter i mean it's it's as good a, it's as good of a matchup as you can make it's with the, one of the matchups that people have been waiting two years to see spence fight so uh, I there's really no comparison for me but that's not that's not me shilling pbc or putting down golden boy it's just that combination of Golovkin Munguia, I would pick. Uh, I would pick Benavides Durrell straight up over that. Like I don't. I just have no. I have no interest in seeing that fight.
0: I mean, Zero. Munguia is just not good. I mean, he might legitimately well, just, be the just, worst just, champion in
1: tailor-made. boxing. He's just tailor made to just get the shit kicked out of him by, by Golovkin.
0: anyone.
1: Well, of course. I mean,
0: yeah. David Lemieux strength. would knock out Jaime Munguia.
1: If he didn't knock him out, I would feel bad, worse for Mungia because that would mean that he got his ass beat over with ten or twelve rounds.
0: <laughs> By David Lemieux. Uh, but anyway, gonna, gonna, gonna massacre him. I mean, I've have, I have like a just a tangent question, but it's something I've been thinking of as we've been talking. But in terms of like is Golovkin perhaps the worst contract in boxing? So I'm like thinking about it, and if Canelo is not interested in fighting Golovkin again, there's really no path to Golovkin having any sort of interesting fight. And if you look at like the line graph of interest in Golovkin, it's literally just a straight spike into the end of his six fight deal. It's just going to decline over time. There's really nothing interesting about this fight with Munguia. Should they go that route? I mean, unless Golovkin moves up, he he's basically the worst contract in boxing where they're paying him, you know, 10 million or whatever it is to, for, for this guy to fight. And like, the the interest level in him is dying really quickly. And for those of you that say, Oh, well, that's not true, um, you're wrong. Dazen had a target for their subscriptions, and they saw the the Golovkin fight with Steve Rolls as like the 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 I don't know, the sign post or whatever where they're gonna say, Okay, we will the milestone where we'll be at this point. And I think you and I both know that they didn't hit it and they put that on the Golovkin fight. So, it leads me to believe that Golovkin ain't really drawing interest the way he was back in 2014. And with no pathway to really bolster that, I mean, they're they have an albatross of a contract on their on their hands. Um, there's really like
1: I, I, I think the real problem is that they don't seem to be able to compel who he fights cuz they can't make him fight Canelo, because they can't convince Canelo to fight him. And if he's not going to fight Canelo, which is the only real, like, commercially viable fight, like on a scale that is larger than, I don't know, any other good fight that's made, then he at least has to fight the best guys available. He has to at least fight a champion at 168. If he he could be an opponent for Smith, and that's not like a big fight, but at least in the realm of like hardcore boxing fans, it is a fight. Yeah. Or he has to fight Andre, even though that's like not really a commercially viable fight. It's at least like legitimate fights you can sell. But it seems to me like he's not really interested in doing either. He's just interested in waiting for for the Canelo fight, which is the fight that DAZN want to make. And I know It's the only fight that makes his contract worth it. But if he's if he's if he's gonna get paid that much money, it has to be in real fights, e- even if it's not the Canelo fight. I mean, and Mungia is not Mungia is not a real fight. That's Mungia is,
0: he's really not bad. a real
1: fight. Well, he's just he, he, yeah. I just I don't I don't really I don't see the appeal of it. I don't I don't see the appeal of it because I know what's gonna happen. Maybe if they had just like a bubble wrapped Mungia and like after the Ali fight or even after the Smith fight and just like totally like literally put him froze him away and like. Like Ted Williams's head or whatever, <laughs> just put him put him in the put him in the freezer for like two years and then thaw him out for this fight. Maybe isn't that but what like, they
0: did with Keith Thurman and it didn't go well?
1: Yeah, well, I I saw Keith uh, playing the flute a little bit, so I don't think he was frozen away. I think he might have just been baking
0: away. If you know what I mean. <laughs> um, no, but Munguia, is you're you're absolutely right. But I think that they tried to do a version of that. I mean, look at the guys who Jaime Munguia has fought since he fought Saddam Ali. He hasn't fought anybody super difficult. He fought Liam Smith, Brandon Cook, Takeshi, uh, 6'9", way, and Dennis Hogan. Are you trying to tell me that these guys were supposed to expose Jaime Munguia and let the world know that Jaime Munguia is no good? That he has no chance against Gennady Golovkin? He has less of a chance against Golovkin today than he did after his fight with Saddam Ali.
1: Yeah, anyways, I don't really feel like talking about it anymore. This fight is not interesting. Um, maybe something interesting will happen with that date. But if that's it, it won't be. And uh, yeah, we'll see what's up with Canelo. Maybe his knees hurt. Maybe he's just bullshitting in a standoff with the zone. Maybe Sergey Kovalev is such a disgusting alcoholic drunk that he needs uh, twice as much money to fight as they're giving him. Who knows? He's got legal I don't fees, really know. man. He punched a All woman in know the face, allegedly. I'm fucking, I'm fucking excited for Manny Pacquiao, the senator versus Keith Thurman. And that's what this podcast is about. I don't give a shit about the other stuff. I'm fucking psyched for this weekend. If you don't order the pay-per-view or at least find a way to watch it legally or illegally, then you're a fucking <laughs> poser. Watch this shit. <laughs> All
0: right, well, we'll leave it right there. Um... Uh, I appreciate Rollins for coming on, for talking about this. We, we talked deep on Manny Pacquiao and Keith Thurman. I know it's it only took
1: It only took three takes.
0: Yeah, but at least we never got that far in. I mean, the furthest we were in was like, what, 20 minutes? Hey, man. It's 20 minutes is 20 minutes. Hey, man, we got to do it for the brand. Do it for the culture. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. I, we will be back and with a post-fight podcast, immediate post-fight podcast about Manny Pacquiao and Keith Thurman. Hopefully, they give us something to talk about. Thanks for listening. Hey, you think it's. Um...